Welcome to Live Well Anyway. I'm your host, Mackenzie Kappa. On this podcast, we journey together in learning how to feel healthy, look good, and plan lives we actually like in the midst of all the everyday chaos. I'm so glad you're here. And today, I have Jennifer Michelle Greenberg on the show talking about her brand new book, Defiant Joy. I was really attracted to this book because Jennifer comes from a history of abuse and all kinds of hardships that she's experienced in her life, but she's been able to look at having joy in the midst of those things from a really fresh perspective. I think a lot of times, especially in Christian culture, we get a little lost and we're supposed to just be happy or have this sort of almost toxic positivity all the time. And Jennifer kind of flips the script on all of that and gives a really refreshing look at what it really means to live through difficult things and to deal with those things and to handle our anger and justifiable feelings that we go through as we are experiencing these things. I really loved her take on it. I found it to be very biblically grounded, but also very hopeful and incredibly real. So I hope you're going to enjoy this episode. But before we get there, I would just like to say that we are about to start a brand new month. March is coming in just a couple of days. I know, I can't believe it myself that we are already almost two full months into the new year. And I am starting to feel like, you know, the last two months, the last few months of the darkness and the cold, they've been very draining. We've talked about it on the podcast even, but now there's like hope of spring. There's more light. Things are starting to warm up just the teeniest bit, at least in my neck of the woods. And it feels like the chance to start new things, to kind of rehash some of these goals that maybe we started at the new year and then they didn't really work because we were like tired and it was dark and you know, that happens. So we are looking at refreshing our routines, getting back on that horse, making sure that we can move into the spring feeling really good and less drained. And I would love to have you come over and join us in Patreon as we start a new month together. We do our monthly challenge that we've been doing where we track different things in our lives and just make these small little incremental changes every day that lead to really lasting effects. So I would love to have you come over there with us. You can find it at patreon.com slash live well together. It's a great group of ladies and a really good time. And now is the perfect time to be joining so that you can get in on that challenge. So come over again. Like I said, patreon.com slash live well together. We would love to have you in there. All right, without further ado, let's get into this episode with Jennifer Michelle Greenberg. Welcome, Jennifer. Thank you so much, Mackenzie. I'm so excited to talk with you this, this morning. Yeah, I have really been looking forward to having you on the show. I think your book is so compelling and interesting, but we get to talk on pub day, right? Yes. That's so yes. fun. I know. It's so exciting. It is so exciting. Um, yeah, I know people have been texting me photos. I got your book in the mail today and, oh. you know, posting it on on Twitter and Facebook and stuff. So it's, it's just really fun. It's exciting. Yeah. yeah, that's amazing. And this is this your second book? It is. Yes. Okay. Defiant Joy. Yeah. My first book, um, Not Forsaken, is really about coming out of that ground zero phase, you know, after you leave an abusive home, mm -hmm. um, domestic violence, sexual abuse, uh, psychological abuse, anything yeah. like that, after you get out of that relationship, or at least realize that that it's not healthy, you know, the the whole recovery process and 
um, understanding, you know, what God means when he calls himself our father, like, you know, cause me, I grew up thinking fathers are scary and angry yeah. and, and, you know, and perverse. And so I was like, why would God call himself that? That sounds terrible. Yeah. <laughs> um, but then, you know, I had to, so I had to relearn a lot of stuff. I had to relearn what masculinity is and I had to relearn what love is yeah. and, um, defiant joy. I feel like is it's, it's really like, I feel like I'm kind of coming into my own, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, getting comfortable with my relationship with God and um, getting used to expecting him to show up, you know, Mm -hmm. before it was very much like, how, how do, how can I trust God? You know, because so many people had let me down. And so defiant joy is really about learning to rest in the Lord and to trust God to show up, to trust God, to persevere your faith to sustain your hope and to store up joy for you, you know, whether you experience it in this life in small, wonderful blips, or if, if it's in heaven, you know, that we finally experience that perfect peace and that miraculous joy. And so that's, it's really, it's been, you know, it's funny on the one hand, it's been a hard journey and I would never wish abuse or any kind of struggle really on anyone. Yeah. But at the same time, I, I'm, I feel so honored that, that God has worked through those things Mm -hmm. to give me faith and to give me hope and joy. And so I'm, I'm very excited um, for other people to read the book and, and hopefully, you know, latch onto that as well. Yeah. I, I mean, I think it's a very powerful story. I think that you do such a good job of facing the realities of what like life really is <laughs> that that life has hardship yes. whether it's abuse or it's you know sickness or whatever it is we all kind of have our own brand of hardship that we go through yeah and the fact that you don't diminish that you're not talking about a toxic positivity like i think you make that very clear mm-hmm. in the book this isn't about putting on some fake facade of seeming happy because that isn't going to work. <laughs> and the yes. fact that you really talk about that, like we we often misunderstand this idea of the joy of the Lord. And I would love mm-hmm. if you talked about that for a second, because I thought that was such an interesting way to look about, look at that. It's not like us producing this joy for the Lord. It's actually God's joy. <laughs> Yes, yes, absolutely. You know, and I think because I came from a home where there was spiritual abuse, you know, my parents um, and certain church leaders would use the Bible um, and they would weaponize it and they would Mm -hmm. use it to control and to, you know, just to kind of make up a lot of rules that, that we need to follow. And, you know, obviously, you know, we need to, we aspire to be like Jesus, but at the same time, you know, our emotions, like if we feel sad because we're sick or we feel lonely or we feel upset, you know, and brokenhearted because someone has been cruel to us or abandoned us, that is normal. And, you know, Jesus himself wept. Jesus himself um, 
groaned and was so distressed that he sweated blood in Gethsemane, you know, so, so Jesus has powerful emotions and those negative emotions, you know, even though they're negative, they're painful, they're not sinful. Um, And so it's very, you know, we, we tend to think of, it's like, oh, this is a bad feeling, but it's not a bad feeling. Do you know what I mean? I mean, there's there's more than one meaning to the word bad. Yeah. (laughs) And so, yeah. And so I, I really, you know, but I think because I grew up in that toxic home, mm-hmm. I kind of had like um, a strong, like it was like the vanilla extract version of a lot of the lies that our culture tells about how you need to think positive. You need to, you know, be happy all the time and and put on your, you know, your big girl boots or put on your happy face, your Instagram smile. And there's so much pressure to look happy. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, and to the extent that I felt that when I wasn't happy, I feared that when I wasn't um, confident and at peace, that maybe somehow I was lapsing in my faith. Mm. And, um, you know, I, but I came to learn, like you were saying, um, just through digging into the Bible and, and a lot of prayer that God would kind of open my eyes to understand these things, um, that, you know, when, when Nehemiah says the joy of the Lord is your strength, he's literally talking about the joy of the Lord, the Lord's joy. It's his joy to give you strength. And so when we're in those dark times and that suffering, and we sense that God is persevering us, we can actually be encouraged knowing that God is taking great joy in walking through this with us and in sustaining us. You know, we might not feel happy right now. Mm -hmm. And I mean, goodness, there's, there's certain trials like, you know, serious illness, terminal, you know, cancer and pain that people go through where it's like, you might never really feel full joy and contentment and peace in this life. Nevertheless, as Christians, as people who love God, this life is not our whole story. Yeah. Our story is eternal and God has stored up joy and peace for us eternally in heaven. And that's exactly what I think it's in Hebrews where it says that Jesus, even on the cross, even as he was being crucified and murdered, he fixed his eyes, not on the joy around him or the joy that he was experiencing currently. He Mm -hmm. fixed his eyes on the joy set before him Mm -hmm. in heaven. And that to me, it was just like, when that clicked, so many things in my life clicked. And it was like, oh my goodness, I can... I can feel depressed. I can feel anxious without also feeling guilty. Yes. Because, you know, just yes. like that makes everything so much worse. Yes. <laughs> like to heap that shame on top of everything else. I think you really kind of dove into that in the book too. You talked about how we put these these heavy burdens on each other of like, you're already mm-hmm. going through something, but now you also need to be happy and like, sunny and like (laughs) that's such a terrible thing that we do to each other and and I think that you you do come back I mean throughout the book and you've you've sort of hit on it and things you've said here already and I know I have certainly experienced it's not so much God (laughs) it's the people (laughs) who are like 
misconstruing things and putting these platitudes on us and twisting scripture to make it seem a different way or even, you know, Mm -hmm. blaming victims instead of abusers or telling you you should just forgive or, you know, like, I know I have been inundated with that over the past six years. Yeah. And and even before that, Mm. even before I... I left my marriage, it was that that guilt and that shame of, you know, no, it doesn't matter what he's doing. You're just supposed to stay, you know, and like all these things that were so twisted and harmful. And a lot of times Mm -hmm. it it is, it's the people, it's the Christians who sometimes intentionally are doing things for control. And you talk about that in the book, but also there's a lot of people who unintentionally they, because they just know better, you know, it's, it's yes. Yeah. Yeah. I think a lot of that is Mm fear-based because they, they want to believe that if I do all the right things, my life will be easy and I will be happy. And so, you know, when, when, when a friend, of theirs or someone that they know from church or work or whatever goes through a hard time that throws a wrench in their delusion because then they'll be they have to they have to assume that you've done something wrong otherwise you bust their bubble yeah. you know because they want so dearly to think that they, they they're so desperate to believe that they can somehow control their happiness and yeah. unfortunately that's not how life works yeah i wish it did but i know really nice <laughs> just, but then, just follow this recipe and yeah. you'll be fine. <laughs> but that that's like no. the whole point of Jesus coming, right? So we didn't have to yeah. live like these legalistic lives where we had to meet exactly all of these rules and conditions. And and you know, you even talk about in the book how a lot of people don't feel like they have enough faith. And that's that's where a lot of that legalism comes from. Like, what can I put on this yes. to make the faith feel more real or feel bigger? Yes. And I thought that was such an interesting perspective. Thank you. Yeah. That Well, to me, it was just, you know, and it kind of struck me. It, this is such a funny way I know to learn theology, but I do learn so much from my children. Mm-hmm. Um, I was sitting at the dinner table with my uh, with my little daughter. I think she was, oh gosh, I'm going to mess this up. She was probably about six, seven at the time, maybe a little older. But anyway, I had gotten her some chamomile tea and we were out of honey. So no, wait, that's, I'm telling the story wrong. See, I'm messing <laughs> it all up. Anyway, <laughs> but she always takes sugar in her tea and I had put honey in there instead. And so she tasted it and she was like, mommy, did you put honey in this? And I was like, no. And she was like, or, or no, I said, yes, I put honey in it. And she goes, well, I can't taste it. And I was like, well, it's there. Trust me. I put honey in it. She's like, she looks at me like all dubious. Like, I don't, I think you forgot, you know? Yeah. (laughs) It's like, no, I I promise you there's a ton of honey. And she didn't believe me. So she added, you know, her own teaspoons of sugar in there. And, you know, later that day, it was funny because she didn't even stir it up. Later that day, I had to scrape the sugar out of the bottom of her cup because she put so much in there. And I was just like, you know what? This is what I do with faith all the time. Mm -hmm. The Holy Spirit is in my heart. He is sustaining me. He is persevering me. I mean, when we we talk about Jesus being a faithful shepherd, he is literally faithful. He is full of Mm. faith. He gives us faith. And so when we have faith, that's an attribute of the Holy Spirit coming out in our lives. It's beautiful. Mm-hmm. And but I was like, I'm always trying to add sugar to it. I'm always trying to sweeten it up yeah. and make it a little better as if God's gift to me isn't good enough. 
And I was like, oh my, like, it just blew my mind. And it yeah. was all because my, my kids said sugar addicts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's those little things that really teach us the it big is. lesson. No, I was I like, this that. is an analogy for my spiritual life. Yes. <laughs> it was, it was so like you, you have a few analogies though, like that throughout the book that I thought were so like, they just really paint that picture. And that was one of them that you used. And I was just like, yeah, yeah. You see that <laughs> happening all the time where we've got to make it into something that, that really could be much more simple. And I just, yeah. I, I loved, I loved that way of, of looking at it. Ladies, I don't know about you, but I am feeling like spring is coming, even though we happen to have in the forecast snow this week. I'm just really trying to ignore that and embrace the fact that spring really is on the way. It's starting to be lighter later into the evening, and that always gives me the itch to get doing things around my house, like spring cleaning and kind of freshening things up. And one great way that you can reset and prepare for spring and do that spring cleaning is with Caraway's non-toxic cookware. It is the perfect way to kick off a spring cleaning session. And Caraway has expanded so much over the last few years. I'm so impressed with not only how non-toxic their cookware is. I mean, that's obviously the leading cause of why I love Caraway, but it's also completely non-stick without having the toxins, which is awesome. And they have so many things available now. They've got bakeware. They've got cookware. They've got food storage. They've got a mini tea kettle. They've got knives. Like anything you're looking for for your kitchen, they've got it. They even have storage solutions built right in when you buy a set so you don't have to try to stack pans and deal with all of that. They truly think about everything and to top it all off. It's beautiful. You can find Caraway cookware for whatever your aesthetic happens to be. I have the cream. I absolutely love it. I use it constantly. These are my go-to pans, the ones that I use on a daily basis. If I'm making soup, it is in my Dutch oven. If I'm making pretty much anything else, it's in my saute pan because Caraway is just the best. It looks pretty in my kitchen, it functions beautifully, and it's not poisoning my family. So it's a win-win-win. So whatever kind of cook you are, you are going to find a Caraway collection that is perfect for you and your family that doesn't have all those hard-to-pronounce nasty chemicals that leach into your healthy ingredients. With Caraway, you can feel safe about your ingredients, you can clean it up quickly, and you can look good while you're doing it. So visit carawayhome.com slash livewell to take advantage of this limited time offer for 10% off your next purchase. This deal is exclusive for my listeners, so visit carawayhome.com slash livewell or use the code livewell at checkout. Caraway, non-toxic cookware made modern. But kind of coming back to, to this idea of the people, the people who make mm-hmm. it so much harder. Like I'm yeah. wondering, like, what can we tell people today about like showing up for people better and not mm-hmm. being those people who are just making people's burdens even worse? Like how, yeah. how can we convey to people like this? Because it's not always simple. And I know people, they feel like, yeah. I don't know what to say or what to do, but from your perspective, yeah. what do you think would be a more helpful version of <laughs> helping people in these situations? You know, I just, I have to go back to scripture where it says weep with those who weep. You know, I yeah. think sometimes, you know, there's situations like, for example, you know, I come from an abusive childhood. 
Um, but I've never, you know, I, I can, I can sympathize with someone like say, maybe who has cancer, maybe who's going through a divorce or maybe who has lost a child or had a miss, you know, had a miscarriage or, or what Mm-hmm. have you. Um, I can sympathize, but I've never personally experienced this thing. So I, I can't necessarily empathize with it, Yeah. but I think just, I think when one thing that's been really helpful for me and is just knowing that, you know what, I don't have to have the right words. Yeah. I don't have to know what to say all the time. Sometimes there are no right words. Sometimes the situation is so awful and so messed up that it's better just to be there, Yeah. just to be present, just to, you know, put our, put your arm around them, you know, um, and just to express your sorrow, just to weep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, you don't have to give advice. And, you know, this is funny. It actually reminds me of some, uh, this is just random spontaneous marriage advice. So um, my husband is, he's super sweet and I love him. Um, he's an engineer. And so I like he this always preface. wants to, <laughs> he always wants to fix things. You know, he always wants to have a solution because this is how he's wired. And I think a lot of guys are like this. Um, and one thing that I learned is, you know, I would, um, I would come to him with a problem, whether it be a relationship issue or some sort of PTSD thing that I was dealing with. And I would tell him up front, I don't want your advice. I just Yeah. want you to listen and then give me a hug. Yeah. <laughs> I would actually Yeah. explain that. And it's funny because I think he learned from that too, where he'll actually, you know, I'll tell him something that's happened, you know, some friend ghosted me or something like that. And I'm upset. And he'll say, do you want my advice Yeah. or do you want me to just <laughs> listen? And yes. I'm like, just listen. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> yep. Because sometimes it's just like you, the words, I mean, nothing's going to help. You just need to not be alone in that moment. You need someone to be there present with you. And I think that's exactly what Jesus did. Like, for example, with um, Mary and, and Martha, when, when Lazarus had died, he didn't give them advice. He didn't, he didn't preach to them about how, you know, well, he's in, you know, he's in heaven now. He's no longer suffering. Cheer up. You know, Yeah. everything's fine. Um, you know, oh, God just, you know, heaven just got another angel or whatever people say. Yeah. Yeah. He he didn't say that. He wept. Yes. And, and I think that that needs to be our posture. You know, we need to be like Jesus, be willing to grieve with people, even though intellectually we know that everything's going to be okay in heaven or that God's in control. Yeah. It's like, well, yeah, thanks. We all know that. But this is still painful. <laughs> Mm-hmm. So, Yeah. yeah, yep. There was a song that came out that just made me think of it. Oh, I'm trying to think of who it was. I'll have to post it in the show notes, but it was... It was so great because he says, I know someday, I know somehow I'll be okay, but not right now. And Yes. like, don't come to me while the house is still burning down, trying Yeah. to make things all pretty and perfect. Like, no. Right. And I, I Yeah. totally agree with what you're saying because I think that like in Jesus weeping with them, it was also a validation. Like when we can just validate, Yes. I think... The people who've just come to me when things have been really hard over the past, you know, however long and been like, this sucks. <laughs> this is really hard. Yeah. Yes. That has been Yes. so like, thank you. I That makes me Yes. feel not crazy to have somebody else be able to Exactly. recognize like, yeah, no, this is pretty bad. <laughs> 
like, okay. Absolutely. It's like, it's almost, you would think it's the opposite of encouragement, but just like having that validation that, yeah, this is really hard. Then can get me out of the, like, why doesn't anybody see how terrible this is and be able to then move forward in action? Because you feel like validated. Okay. Somebody, somebody sees this and that can be such an encouragement, even though it may not seem like it. Absolutely. No, that's so wise what you're saying. And, you know, it's funny. It's like, I I've had, um, a couple times I've done, you know, I've spoken at conferences or on podcasts like this one. And then some guy will come up to me afterwards and he'll say, I don't know if this is the right thing to say, but I am so angry at your dad. Mm. And I'll be like, yes, thank you. I, yeah. I I need someone to be angry because it was wrong. What I went through was wrong. Yes. Child abuse is wrong and people should be angry about this. And I think it did so much damage to me on a spiritual, mental, emotional level when I would tell even pastors about what I was currently going through. And I just sort of got a pat on the head Mm -hmm. or they said, you you should pray about this, or we need to pray for your God's anger issues or for your dad's anger issues. And I'm like, okay, he he threw an iron at my head. Like, I think yeah. that we need to do more than pray about this. Like praying yeah. is great, but what are you going to do? Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, I Muster really up a little anger for me, please. <laughs> yes. I resonated with that whole chapter in the book where you talk about anger and mm-hmm. that you know, it is justified and kind of like how we tell people to like be happy or be fine. You know, like it's the same thing when we tell people, oh, it's not godly to get angry. And you do a really good job Mm -hmm. of dispelling that whole thing in the book. Like, No, anger is a real thing and we should be angry about things that are not okay. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think that was such an essential piece of this book, maybe not a chapter that people would expect to find in a book on joy, but you (laughs) have to have like deal with that anger piece and that anger is valid. And it's because there is injustice here. And I think you did a good Mm -hmm. job of balancing like sometimes we do have to let go of there being justice on earth like that mm-hmm. that might not happen for you and you can still get through yeah. it you're not going to live in this anger place but i love what you said about pushing down anger too that that is where it ends up turning into rage and like something more destructive if you don't actually deal with your anger yes absolutely well and it's just you know it's dishonest you know if you yeah. feel angry because you've been wronged say it yeah you know admit it like we are we are called to, um, to be truthful people, you know? And so when we have this, um, idea in our heads that, oh, I feel depressed and that's embarrassing and therefore I need to hide it. Or I feel angry, but people might think I'm sinful, so I'm going to hide it. And it's like, no, because we have a God of truth and, you know, it's true that there are a lot of Christians and just people in general who are not mature enough to walk with us through these issues. Sometimes we have to seek out Christians who are just more mature and who have really gone through dark things and who understand where we're coming from in order to get the the wise counsel and the empathy that we need. Um, But man, pushing that anger down 
it's so destructive and it just pops right back up again. You yeah. know, it's just, oh, it's, it's awful. It's just awful. And until you process it, until you express it, um, and you can talk about it in a safe place, a safe environment, um, it, it just, I found, at least in my personal life, that it just kind of settled into my heart like an infection. Mm-hmm. And and the longer I let left it there, it was caustic and it, it just, it hurt. It wore me down. Yeah. Um, you know, even, even righteous anger is exhausting yeah. when you carry it for too long. It's just, it, I couldn't live like that. I just, I couldn't. So, yeah. Yeah. No, I completely agree. I've had people say things to me over the past six years as things have continued to happen and difficulties. And they're like, well, why don't you just get like really angry about it? Maybe you could do more about it if you were like really angry. And it's like, oh, no, don't get me wrong. (laughs) I'm angry, (laughs) but I can't live in that place. I can't live in that space of just being angry all the time because like you said, like it sucks the life out of you. And I want to enjoy the rest of my life, which was another thing I think you hit on that like there can be joy and difficulty at the same time. Like both can exist. Yep, absolutely. We can be um, happy and sad at the same time. We can be angry and at peace at the same time. And that's really, you know, where I've come to be in my life, you know, my relationship with my dad. It's, um, do I trust him? Absolutely not. Um, Do I ever want to see him again? No. Do I want him around my kids? No. Am I angry at him? Yes. But at the same time, I have peace Mm -hmm. knowing that it's not my job to give him justice, you know, so far, at least, um, he's never faced justice in this world. Um, but we have a just God and I am guaranteed 100% to get justice. Mm -hmm. So it's not, um, you know, I used to constantly be living in this, um, stage of longing in a stage of desperation where I was like, you know, who's going to report him, who's going to arrest him, who's going to hold him accountable for these things. And nobody ever did. And honestly, that's a travesty. And Mm -hmm. I wouldn't wish that on anyone. And I really hope, you know, for the sake of anyone listening, you know, if you, if someone has wronged you in that way, in a criminal way, I really hope and desire justice for you in this life, but also take comfort knowing that this life isn't all there is. And, and our God will judge all sins, all wrongdoings. I mean, there are probably things that happened in my childhood that I don't even remember anymore, but God remembers. And so even though I don't remember them, I will still get justice for those things. Yeah. And that is just profoundly comforting to me. Mm -hmm. And it helps me rest. Yeah. You know, so we're not caught up in this hamster wheel of desperation and loss. Yeah. Um, Because it, yeah, it does. It just eats you alive. Yeah. And the bitterness that can come out of that. And yeah, yeah, when you can just, like you said, rest, I think that that's a huge, makes a huge difference for just being able to keep moving forward. Okay, ladies, I know for me, 
as the weather is starting to change, it's getting a little bit springier, it becomes that time of year when I can kind of transition what my family's eating. We've been eating a lot of the same staple soups and roasts and all those like good hearty foods for the winter. Now it's starting to feel like it's time to freshen things up a little bit, plan out our meals a little bit differently. And that is why, once again, I love plan to eat because one, it makes it really easy for me to add new recipes in. All I have to do is copy the web address for wherever I find great new springy recipes. I just put it right into plan to eat and it auto populates everything for me. Then when I drag that recipe onto my calendar to plan when I'm going to have it, it also auto-populates a shopping list. So it cuts out so much of the brain work for me that I don't have to figure out. I can even change the amount that I want to make it for. So say I want to make a new chicken dish on a Monday, but I want leftovers for Tuesday because I don't like cooking two nights in a row. Well, I can really easily do that with plan to eat. I can just adjust the amount. It automatically changes my shopping list list for me. So I'm buying the amount of ingredients that I need. And then on Tuesday, I can just write a little note that says leftovers. It's so brilliant. And that's just really skimming the surface of what plan to eat can do. Because my second favorite thing that I love about plan to eat for this time of year is being able to look at the menus that I made last year at this time or four years ago at this time. Because when I make menus and plan to eat, I can put an entire week of meals or month of meals or however many I want to, save it as a menu, and then I save the headache of having to do the planning again later on, which I am eternally grateful for because I don't want to have to do more than I absolutely have to. And plan to eat makes that possible for me. You guys know that I have loved and used Plan to Eat for nine and a half years now. Their handy little app is right on the front page of my phone because I use it so frequently. It is essential to me saving my sanity, and I think it can for you too. So if you want to get in on this, then I want you to head over to plantoeat.com slash livewell. That is where you're going to be able to get 30 days free to try out the app and 30% off a year-long subscription to be able to do all of your planning right there easily. It's just a game changer. Get in there. Try it for 30 days and you're going to see how much easier your life can be. Go to plantoeat.com slash livewell for 30 days free and that 30% off a year-long subscription. Now, I, I just... I think that people really need to just get the book. I think there's just so much in there that they can really dive into. I mean, I really feel like people can kind of meditate over this this book and have mm. a really transformative experience. But towards the end of the book, because you know you wrote it a little over a year ago, and you guys were going through yeah. some hardship, so I'm yeah. curious, like <laughs> what's happened in the year since? Oh my goodness, yes. So in the last chapter, which I actually called the last chapter, yeah, um, I, <laughs> um, I, I talked about how right before Thanksgiving, um, my husband got laid off. They just had a company restructuring, and his whole department, um, you know, got laid off, and it really um, shook us up, you know, because. Yeah. We love the company. We love our home. We love our community. And he was getting interviews. And of course, it's right before the holidays. Yeah. Um, so I was just very concerned, like, oh, my goodness, like, do we, you know, 
obviously we're going to get our kids Christmas gifts, but at the same time, it's like you want to be frugal because you don't know how long it's going to take and you don't want to eat into, you know, whatever savings you have. And it's just like, I was thinking about like, well, maybe I should, you know, get a job as a waitress, you know, and, Mm -hmm. and try to bring in some extra money and trying to figure out how to juggle all that with our, our kids' schedules. I mean, it was just a nightmare. And so, but yeah, so, uh, you know, it was funny. I was like, you know what, God, I think that you just want me to be able to edit this book from a place of authenticity. I think you want me to look at this book as someone who is in the trenches mm-hmm. currently yeah, and be able to just kind of smooth over any rough edges, clarify anything that could be interpreted the wrong way. And so in that sense, it was it was a, a sort of backwards blessing, or at least that's the way that God worked through that situation. And what ended up happening is my husband's company, the one that had laid him off, realized that they'd made a mistake. And so they hired oh, wow. him back. <laughs> wow. And so, yes. <laughs> and so we, we, we feel very blessed. So he actually did not end up being unemployed for very long. Um, I think it was sometime in January, he started work again. Um, but yeah, it was, it was kind of a, a leap. It was definitely a leap of faith there yeah. um, for a bit. And the kids were so cute. One of the things yeah. that they did, and I talk about this in the book too, mm-hmm. they, they were like, mommy, can we have a hot chocolate stand? You know, kind of like a lemonade stand and we'll sell hot chocolate because it's, you know, it's the holidays. And, you know, I live in Texas and so during the winter, it just rains. It's yeah. awful. And I was like, babe, it is 40 degrees and raining. I The last thing I want to do right now is yeah. stand outside Will you sell hot cocoa for 25 yeah. cents a cup or whatever. Yeah. Like, so what we did, what we ended up doing was, well, they, I think they came up with this idea. They were like, well, what about, um, I said, what if we sell cookies instead? And they're like, yes, and cake and pie. And, you know, and so then what I ended up doing was um, me and the kids would bake cookies. And and then I posted about it in our neighborhood Facebook group and um, told our neighbors, like, this is what's going on. But my kids, you know, really wanted to help out with us financially and, and buy each other some Christmas gifts. So we're, you know, they're earning money for Christmas. And the neighbors loved it. And and I think that one of the things, yeah, it was, it was so cool. And I got to meet so many of our neighbors that way who I never would have met Mm -hmm. otherwise. Um, And, but one of the things I learned was that part of the way that we see joy or that we can experience joy is by actually allowing others to help us. You know, initially when my kids wanted to save up money for their own Christmas gifts, I was like, oh man, this is this is so depressing and sad. Like I want to provide for them. I don't want them to feel like they've got to, you know, buy their own Christmas gifts. But then I was like, wait, what am I doing? Because they need to feel like they're helping us out. They're Mm -hmm. part of our family. They're, you know, we're a team. And so that decision to kind of let them help and, um, and help them help, uh, it, it actually, it brought me so much joy. And it's, I think it's currently one of my favorite memories parenting. Mm, yeah. Um, and I, I think it will be for a long time because it was, it was so, so fun. 
Um, it was an insane amount of work. I think yeah. I made like 35 pies. That's so crazy. Yeah. It was utterly insane. Yeah. And you know, the kids can't help with everything either. Yeah. Like, you know, they, they would like, there's certain things they can help with, but other things I'm just like, yeah, this is, this is actually a lot of work for me, but you know, yeah. I know. my, my kids tend to have those ideas too, where it's like, wouldn't it be a good idea? Yeah we this and it's like you mean I do it and you take credit for it gotcha right, right. Yeah. exactly like the other day my nine-year-old was like mom we should have a vegetable garden I'll do it and I'm like uh-huh. Uh-huh. yeah yep yeah uh-huh oh. I keep I keep Feel getting that, that about yeah. getting a dog and I'm like so see you're not you're not here you're not here all day I am so yeah. when you say you're gonna oh do my work, goodness yeah Exactly. Yeah. No. Oh my goodness. And we have a, we got a husky puppy Oh wow. a little over a year ago. And so, yeah, no, I can tell you, it's funny. It's like people, people have asked me, I was like, they're like, how expensive are huskies? And I'm like, well, when you count all the shoes she ate oh. and the sofa she destroyed oh, and yeah. the TV remote, <laughs> yes, a very expensive dog. Yeah. Adds up quick. Yep. Oh goodness. <laughs> There's no such thing as a free dog. Like that no, is, that's not no, a thing. No, <laughs> that is for sure. I At know. least not when you get them as a puppy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I know. I'm like, can't but, I oh find like the exact kind of dog that I want that's like three and <laughs> had yeah. all the training? Exactly. Like I could do that. That'd be great. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Somebody needs to start that business, actually right? training dogs, getting them all potty trained, teaching yeah. them not to eat your stuff and then sell them to you. And they could probably sell them at like a big up price, yeah. you know, premium. <laughs> That's for sure. That should be a thing. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, right. as we are winding into the end of this interview, obviously a, a puppy or a dog has a lot to do with what your day looks like, but would you tell us what a typical <laughs> day looks like for you? Um, yeah, you know, it's funny. So I'm just gonna be real real with you. Okay. Yes. I know that there are a lot of videos like on Instagram and Facebook of these stay-at-home moms who get up at 4 a.m. and have their whole workout and then eat homemade. <laughs> breakfast and then clean their whole house and then they're you know read the bible with their kids and get them to school that is not my life i'm just going to be really real with you so i drag myself out of bed every morning (laughs) it's very difficult i drink about two cups of coffee i grab my kids clothes that i put together the night before i go and tell them to get dressed we feed them breakfast i brush their hair and then after i have them strapped into the car Mm-hmm. On our way to school, that's our Bible time because they're tied down. Yes. They can't go anywhere. They can't get into anything. Yes. And so, so that's our Bible time. Love it. And um, we pray together. You know, it's just like 10, 20 minutes while we wait, you know, or what whatever, but um, but it's that special time. And um, and then I come home, I feed myself, I get dressed, I shower, whatever I need to do. And then I usually write or um, I also um, off and on depends on what, you know, I don't know. It's weird. These things happen in seasons, but sometimes I also am involved in abuse cases. Mm. Um, And in those cases, you know, I might need to uh, do some email correspondence with law enforcement or with the victim's pastor, church leaders, um, do some phone calls, 
um, writing up reports and that sort of thing. And like, this is how you can help this person. Um, these are your state laws. You need to report this, 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 and that, mm-hmm. um, you know, and make sure the, it, it, cause it's sad. A lot of churches don't know, especially the smaller yeah. churches, um, you know, and, and they should, they yeah. really should, because we live in a world where bad things happen. We live in a world where there are evil people. Like it's been this way since mm-hmm. Adam and Eve ate the fruit. Like this should not be a surprise, especially yeah. as Christians, because the whole reason Jesus came is because of sin. So yeah. sin should never catch us off guard like this, but here we are. Um, and so I, you know, I work to help um, church leaders and sometimes, you know, family members um, or friends figure out how to safely and responsibly uh, help a victim. Mm. And sometimes it's the victim coming up most of the time, actually, it's the victim coming to me and saying, is this abuse? Mm. Is this, is this normal or am I being abused? And I got to tell you, if you have to ask that question, Mm -hmm. it's almost definitely abuse. Yeah. Because, you know, it, these situations that, you know, that we get into, whether it be a marriage or a dysfunctional friendship or um, a, a child-parent relationship, whatever it is, um, or even a toxic situation at work, it happens gradually. You know, yeah, it's like yeah. someone t- turning up the heat. And so we're used to it. We're used to it. We're used to it. You know, it's getting a little worse, a little worse, but we're used to it. And then all of a sudden we realize I'm not happy and I don't feel safe and I'm afraid that something really bad is going to happen. I need to get help. Yeah. Um, and I, I think that's kind of a misconception that a lot of people have. You know, it's like yeah. people ask women, you know, well, why did you marry that guy? I'm mm-hmm. like, well, he wasn't that guy when we got married. Duh. <laughs> yeah. I didn't know it was going to end like this. I mean, I didn't, you know, nobody yeah. gets married planning on being divorced. Like nobody does yeah. that. Well, maybe somebody, I shouldn't say nobody, <laughs> somebody probably does, but maybe abusers do. Um, yeah. But, you know, it, it's so hard. And, you know, I've had friendships like that too, where it's like, they start out good. You know, you meet yeah. them at church. Yeah. Um, you go to a Bible study with them. They encourage you through hard times, but then slowly they start. Like I had a friendship once where this gal just started telling me negative stuff about my husband. <sighs> and it was weird. I was like, well, that's not even accurate. Like, why would she care about, you know, the way Jason says this or does that? Like, it's not bothering me. Like, why is she telling me mm-hmm. that this should bother? Like, it's, it's, this is like personal preference type stuff. Why is she burdening me with this? And then, um, it got more and more serious to the point where um, she would just say nebulous things where I would, um, I can't remember an example, but I'd be talking about Jason and not saying anything even negative. She'd be like, oh, well, that's just how Jason is. That's just what you have to expect from Jason. And I was like, this is so weird. Like, why, why would someone talk to me about my husband like that? And so I distanced myself from her. Yeah. And then, you know, and then later I found out that all the while she had been gossiping and spreading lies mm. about me. Yeah. And I was just like, oh, my word. Yeah. <laughs> and, and it was like, how did I not see who she was? It's how did I not? Though. It's, it a, it's, it's, it's a so grooming. Sweet. That's why they call it grooming. Whether yeah. the person even Absolutely. realizes that's what they're doing intentionally or not, it is 
it is that yeah. that slow building where I mean I I ended up in that same position and, and it was like well but I have always considered myself to be intelligent and rather bold and like yeah. very frank and you know like how yeah. did I how did I but when, when and you, you are see, you are all those things yeah and it just, yeah but it, it's a slow it's a slow process that over time like you said it you is. have that dawning realization so that's amazing that you get to do that work it's really exciting. It's very fulfilling. And, you know, I already, um, I already heard back from, it's crazy because this is the launch day, but I already heard back from some readers, you know, I think they got early copies, Mm -hmm, but, mm -hmm. you know, saying that, you know, I'm an abuse survivor and defiant joy helped me feel encouraged. You know, I like, I felt broken so long and it's, 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 it was comforting to me. And just knowing that, and I'm not saying that to brag or anything like no, that. Yeah. It just, it honestly gives me a profound sense of humility and just awe at mm-hmm. the work that God does. Because, you know, I went through so much hardship, so many bad things. Um, but God in his graciousness, you know, he doesn't cause bad things to happen. He doesn't desire evil. He doesn't. Uh, technically he doesn't even allow evil. He's going to judge evil. Evil is mm-hmm. not allowed. Yeah. Um. And so, but knowing that he worked through my hardship, not only to build up my own faith in him and, um, and my joy, um, but he's using it to help others. I mean, and I, I know that he does this through you as well, you know, through your podcast and, and your own ministry. And it just, my goodness, what a good God we have, Mm -hmm. you know, it's just, yeah, blows my mind. Yeah, definitely. Definitely humbling. Like you said. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So in the midst of all the chaos of life, what is just some little thing (laughs) that you do to live well anyway, as you're navigating all this? Um, You know, I have learned the hard way that I need to carve out some me time. Mm, mm-hmm. um, and, you know, as a mom with three young kids, that's next to impossible because yeah. <laughs> I am pretty much never alone. Yeah. Um, so I, yeah, I took up uh, jogging, running, walking. Um, and so I'll just go out by myself. I'll put in my headphones and, you know, listen to the Bible or listen to an audiobook or listen to heavy metal music, you know, whatever <laughs> I'm feeling like at no. the time. And, um, you know, it kind of helps me blow off steam to listen to angry music. Like if I'm yeah, like if my kids have been melting down all day and, you know, nothing's going right and my computer is not working and, you know, whatever is going on and I'm stressed and I'm, you know, just I feel like I'm going to pop a screw. I'll just go out and get in the sunshine and listen to my my metal music. And uh, yeah. That's what I do. <laughs> I love that. I completely well, agree. I think that's great. <laughs> you know, it's just like what, what we said earlier. It's you have to process it. Mm-hmm. You can't just swallow it down or push it down like a beach ball in a swimming pool or whatever. You you have to you have to express yourself. And so that's one of the ways that I've that I've learned helps me. You know, I'm sure yeah. other people have different ways. And actually my husband, one, one year, I don't know if this was like a sign that he thought I was struggling with anger or what, but he got me a punching bag for Christmas. (laughs) I was like, yes. Yes. 
That's awesome. Yeah. And so that helps too. Yeah. Lifting weights, exercise tends to help me a lot with my anxiety. And yeah, I do have, yeah, I don't know if it's, I think part of it's PTSD from child abuse. Mm-hmm. Um, but part of it's just my personality as well. And, you know, sometimes we're in anxiety inducing situations and yeah. so we feel anxious. Um, and so I can go out and I can talk to God in my head and tell him how ticked I am and, and punch something. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> I love it. That's awesome. It's just practical real yeah. life. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Totally yep. agree. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, are you ready for my stock questions? Absolutely. All right. Do you prefer candles or an essential oil diffuser? Candles. All right. Cloth napkins or paper? Paper. Okay. City? I don't like doing laundry, so. I know. Yeah. I hear you. <laughs> I hear you. <ya. laughs> City or country? Country. Okay. Paper or digital? Ooh, paper. Okay. Shopping. Would you rather do it online or in the store? Definitely online. Okay. I, you know, it's funny. I'm, I can be outgoing when I need to be like when I'm speaking at a conference or whatever, but I mm-hmm. think I'm naturally pretty introverted. Yeah. I, I find shopping in a store kind of stressful. <laughs> yeah. A little overwhelming. <laughs> okay. Yes, very much so. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It's whatever time you're making dinner and you need a mental break. Do you listen to a podcast or music? And maybe we already answered this question. <laughs> you're heavy metal. But... You know, well, I think probably during dinner, I would probably listen to a podcast. Okay. Yeah. And what are some mm-hmm. of your favorite podcasts? Oh gosh. Well, you know, I'm blinking on that right now. Okay. That's okay. <laughs> Sorry. That is okay. I, I I do like there's a couple true crimes one, mm-hmm. true crime ones that I like, but I, I'm not I'm blanking on the name. I'm sorry. That's okay. Okay. Chocolate, milk or dark? Dark, definitely dark. All right. Sports or no sports? No sports. I like I like working out and stuff like that, but I don't really enjoy competitive squirt, sports and I definitely don't like watching other people play them. Yeah. <laughs> I am right there with you. Okay. <laughs> Live broadcasting like Instagram stories or reels or anything like that. Would you rather broadcast or watch? Probably watch. Okay. I need to do better. That's one of the things that <sighs> I need to do better though. I I'm just, I am not very tech savvy. Mm. And when I can't figure something out, it's just like a brick wall. And yeah. yeah, And I just, I, so I don't try very often. Yeah. (laughs) I hear you. I hear (laughs) you. What is your favorite movie? Oh goodness. That's a tough one. Um, I have so many. So, okay. Um, the pride and prejudice with Kara Knightley. I Mm -hmm. love that one. And the, the new Emma with, um, oh, yeah. oh, what's her name? Anna Taylor-Joy. Um, yes, thank you. Yeah. I remember her name had joy in it. I was like, it's yes. like my book. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but that's not helping me. But yes, yeah, I'm so bad at names. But yes, Anya Taylor-Joy, I love um, that one. And I love the music in it a lot. Mm-hmm. I really like the soundtrack. Yeah, yeah, that mm. was a fun one for sure. It was the last movie I went to in the theater before the pandemic. I remember that. Oh, yes. yes. Oh, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and if you were to put yourself on the crunchiness spectrum, where zero is totally not crunchy and 10 is like singing Kumbaya by the fire with your legs unshaven and dreadlocks in your hair, where are you on the spectrum? Hmm. I'm probably around a three because on the okay. one hand, I don't want my kids licking doorknobs or anything like that. <laughs> but at the same time, like I, yeah, I... 
I'm very much hygienic. I, I don't think I go to the extreme that some people do, particularly after COVID. Like I'm not, I'm not worried about germs too much, but yeah, I don't know. I just, okay. I'm not like going to like crochet my own sandals out of yes. grass or anything like that. And I have a microwave, so there you go. And I use paper plates. Yeah. Yep. I just, yeah. Yep. All right. I go for easy. Yes. That's my goal in life. <laughs> and especially like when you, when the kids are little, that is just, oh, yeah. Yes. Like where can I simplify? I know. Yeah. No, I've had a few friends. It's like they make their own granola and stuff. And I'm like, you know, God bless you. But I, you know, once in a while, I'll try something like that. Like I made my own pasta recently, which was so yeah. much fun. But there is no way on earth I would do that on a regular basis. Yeah. Like I, I cannot. Like it's not. I don't know. Yes. And no. I'm also really bad at crafts, which is really <laughs> sad because so many ladies Bible studies are like, we'll oh, read the Bible. Yeah. We'll read this book. And we'll do crafts. And I'm like, oh, can we not? Like, yeah. we can not do crafts. <laughs> Y'all can do yeah. crafts. I will watch. <laughs> yes. You need to start the anti-craft Bible study. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. That's what I need to do. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you so much for coming on today, Jennifer. It, it was so thank good you, to just be able to dive into your book and and talk about it. I can't wait for people to get it in their hands. Congratulations on publication day. And thank you so thank much you. for writing it. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me on. It was, Absolutely. it was wonderful talking to you. I yeah, appreciate it. I agree. <laughs> All right, ladies, that is it for this week's episode. As always, you can find the show notes by swiping up in whatever app you are listening to the show on or heading over to mackenziecoppacom slash podcast. I've got all the show notes there, all the little things that we talk about that you might want to remember but don't have time to write down. It's all right there for you. Also, thank you so much to those of you who have left ratings and reviews in iTunes for the podcast. It really seems small, but it makes a really big difference. So if you haven't done that yet, and you want to head over there, I would so appreciate it. Just, you know, leave a little blurb, five-star review. It'd be incredibly helpful. And thank you to those of you who also shop through our sponsors and affiliate links. You guys are the reason that this show is still on the air and I am able to keep the lights and heat on in my house. And I am very, very grateful. So thank you so much for all of you who do that. All right, ladies, until next time, go be bold and gracious. 